Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here in Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. I hope you're comfortable. Uh, if you're new to us, uh, welcome. Uh, you can ask your friends what this is all about, but it's pretty clear. We talk about music, and uh, we talk to people who make music. And those are the two things we do, not necessarily in any particular order. This week, we're talking about it. Uh, talking about a band that I am a huge fan of, when Avers from Richmond, Virginia. You know, they put out an album in, in uh, I think it was like 2014, called Empty Light. Uh, was my, one of my favorite albums of the year. And uh, they're back now with uh, Omega Whatever. And so Eduardo and Patrick are going to be joining me in the basement to talk through that to give you a little taste. We're also going to be talking about a new album, or at least a new track, from uh, Mild High Club, which is Alex Breton and uh, Jarvis Tavernier from Woods. Uh, they have this is their second album. Uh, it's entitled Skip Tracing. We've got the title track from that, so a little more uh, later on in that. And but before we get to any of that, we're going to be talking uh, about Mike Jabara leaving Warner Brothers. Now, uh, it's not so much that he has left Warner Brothers as the story. Uh, he left it to head up a uh, HD music firm called MQA. So that stands for Master Quality Audio. So this is, in fact, a story about audio format and whether we need it. You know, people complain about MP3s. People love FLAC. People love AAC. People want Pono. We're going to get to the bottom of that. So uh, that, in a nutshell, is your podcast for this week. So if you're ready, or at least to kick off this week. So if you're ready, uh, I think we should just get to it. Here you go. This is episode number 209 of Junkie Glasses, the podcast, where we're reviewing the new album from Avers, Omega Whatever. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up and down. That right there is a wonderful house. in the uh, corners of our memory forever and ever ready, 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 ready for take two guys let's mm-hmm. take Pat- one for me you guys take do one for you. one yeah. <laughs> I'll, act, I'll act surprised when things happen Patrick you're back I'm totally oh back it's been a while you survived the mystery light show I did barely barely <laughs> Uh, uh, I think Songbird is out of beer, <laughs> and nice. I think that's your fault. It's totally my fault. That's, that's okay. Uh, Eduardo, you are back down here. Thank you again. Uh, you know, you were you were part of the you were one of the victims in this this mass. Yeah, I've been wronged. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wronged all, by all your computer. The, we solved so much in we our did. last discussion uh, about what we're going to discuss right now. But it's, yeah, it's real lost. world problems were solved. Like, uh, what's the Blade Runner quote? Like, like. Tears in the wind or something. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, uh, I feel yeah. like Eduardo's always the victim. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it, is um, a, it is a card I play a lot. But So, uh, as you heard on our last podcast, one of the... We had some technical difficulties. One of the podcasts we lost was Avers. Uh, what we do here is we plan on reviewing albums generally that we like, I think, or that are worth talking about. But if the band is coming through... Then we don't do that. That's why there is no uh, fruit bats mm-hmm. up on the site right now. Just an, an interview with Eric Johnson. Uh, so we tried that. Their interview got sort of toasted, and uh, <laughs> so here we are to talk about their album Omega uh, slash whatever. I don't know. Did we include the slash in the title? I don't know if you have to say it or not. Okay, we can yeah. we can agree not to say you it. Can, yeah, you yeah, can look at it. It's a silent slash. It's, it's a, a silent. <laughs> ooh, okay, I like that. Um, so uh, before that, and we'll get some a little history when we get to that, of this band. But before that, I want to talk about a little story that this story feels oh. very familiar, Eduardo. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about <laughs> yeah, this before. It, it feels very familiar. <laughs> um, and this is a story uh, that was on, uh, I think it was, uh, it wasn't Digital Music News, 
but it was uh and the lead is so buried in this thing it's mike jabarley is warner after 20 years to head up ht music firm mqa now buried down in here is what mqa actually does and what we're talking about is, you know, you have your formats, your MP3, your Hog Vorbis, your months, your <laughs> Flax and whatever. Well, they're proposing a new format, uh, just the MQA format. And uh, and it the promise is that this will be what high definition 3D audio streaming uh, at the same uh, size as MP3s. Yep. So I think when we talked about this before, the question we were asking uh, that we were really concerned with is like, do we really need another format? And do we need, is there consumer demand for good audio, right? Yes. Um, I know there's a lot of demand for cheap, decent audio, as evidenced by like the proliferation of really good, like $100 little earbuds. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Klipsch. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, but I don't know that there's an appetite, given the fact that people spend so much time like streaming, you know, or listening to music on YouTube, for example, um, off of their tinny little laptop speakers. I'm just not sure what the what the demand is out there for people outside of like a very small circle of people mm-hmm. who. Right. Well, if you if you look at uh, Pono, Neil Young's Pono, which uh, beat you to that, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so ready. It, for it, that. If if you look at Pono, you know this is what he was trying. He was saying, he, but he was essentially like pedaling 24 bit flax. Right. That's essentially mm-hmm. what Pono is. And a player that can play it, which, to be clear to anybody listening, the only distinguishing thing of that is a codec, which is loaded into the firmware. If if Apple wanted to make iPhones play flax and high high def files, they could very easily do it. Mm-hmm. And I think iTunes does. Well, right, and Apple has a proprietary lossless format, mm-hmm. which is roughly AAC. yeah, it's like fourteen hundred kilobytes per second, give or take. Um, and which I which I use a lot when I'm ripping old CDs or even if I'm buying something off of Bandcamp. If I have a choice of quality between a 320 yeah. MP3 and a 1411, I'm going to get the lossless just because I'd like to have that file, even if I'm never really going to listen to it right. in that format because I'll be streaming it through Apple Music, which is at 256, mm-hmm. right. which is close enough to 320 for comfort. Right. And, you know, to, to that point, though, you know, you are streaming at 256. We have all this stuff with uh, bandwidth, uh, data usage and all that. And... It becomes a question of, you know, like you were saying, like, is there a demand for this high-quality music? So, I mean, what you have to have to experience this, you have to have, like, what, a $5,000 amp? You have to have mm-hmm. $10,000 speakers? Right. Uh, you have to, to have... To experience master quality Yes, yes. Sound. Yeah. You have, yeah. You have to have a uh, perfectly tuned room. That's right. part of it. Right. Absolutely. Your speaker placement has to be... Hmm. impeccable you need to do the thing i've actually i've done this with my receiver but i'm not sure that it does much where you where like there's a mic that you attach to it and mm-hmm. it sort of like records levels around the room mm-hmm. um and you really can go down a rabbit guys are hole fucking here nerds, by the way <laughs> yeah well so so i mean i like a good school, sound but damn there's a school of thought that basically says that if you're using out of the box power cords to connect your receiver right. and not like a $700 special cable that has low <laughs> impedance and provides zero electronic resistance or whatever. Um, Which you're, monster you're cable? We're looking for sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this segment brought to you. If you were looking for a cable like that, let me... Monster cable. Dear monster. Show yeah. notes will include I, an entire Amazon catalog. I cheaped yeah. out on my center channel, but you're definitely on my left and right speakers yeah. at home. Just so you know, monster. Uh, so, so Patrick, like you've been, you've been a little quiet over there. What are you, what are you thinking about on this? Um, so, uh, I like when, well, look, everything's headed towards streaming. I think I agree with you generally that like, what I think, is, I think it's here. Well, right. But what is, what is the market? Mm-hmm. The closest established market for this, it seems to me, are the people who are buying vinyl and who are snobs about like heavy mm-hmm. vinyl. Maybe that's, that's, that's in the ballpark. Yeah. Right. So we know there's a market for that, but some of that market is built out of the ability to hold the physical product and all these other things that go Mm -hmm. along with buying vinyl. So it's a smaller percentage than the actual vinyl market. Who knows how much? And then when you add in that you need to have all these other components that you've just added on, I think the market just continues to shrink and shrink and shrink. And I think your Mm -hmm. point is well taken. On the other hand, it would be great if somehow this forced other streaming services to keep upping their game in terms of sound quality. Sure. If that's the least that it achieves, I'm totally in favor of it. <laughs> yeah. But well, I, I don't know. Like, 
and I think this this end result is an an inevitability. You know, just yeah. Moore's law. Yeah, like the, right, the technology right, right. is going to keep leapfrogging right. itself. So what's the and so you yeah. know we will have probably within ten years. Just that's what sound will be. Right. Is it about compression though? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the issue right now is compression. So right. people complain about like oh yeah, one twenty eight, which right. this podcast goes out in. Uh, versus a but it 256. sounds fantastic. Thanks, but uh, a two fifty versus a two fifty six versus a three twenty. People say you can't tell the difference. I mm-hmm. can a little uh, versus flack. Uh, th- those things versus an uncompressed wave. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, there are people that ha- again, if you have the system, I guess this makes sense yeah. to listen to it like that. But you have to remember too that MP three was almost the CD format. Right, we we right. might not have known. The difference, like the, right. that three twenty kilobit MP three, could have been what's on burn on the CD. Well, when you subscribe to Spotify Premium, you have the option of three twenty, right? Yeah. Um, however, when you just when you activate your account or whatever, it defaults to two fifty six. Mm-hmm. So, and this is really more for the listeners. Um, if you are a Spotify subscriber, and and if you've never ch- and if you've never gone and looked, you're probably st- streaming at 256. D- despite yeah. being promised the ability to stream at 320, you have to check that you want the highest possible quality. And you and you may never have noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think is the key. Um, Apple Music has something similar, uh, but it it doesn't say the bit rate. It's just right. high and low, and the low sounds yeah. like shit. It yeah, does. right, right. It, the low is probably 128, is yeah. my guess. Mm. But uh, hmm. the other thing MQA claims they can do is they claim that their sound technology, that you know, if if you're in a room and you're hearing live music being performed, there's a sense of space that comes because each sound right. is reaching your ear like a couple of milliseconds apart. And so your brain understands that these sounds are coming from a different space. And um, and so it has this 3D feel. MQA claims to be able to do that. And they have on their website footage of mostly musicians hearing mm. their sound <laughs> files for the first time and looking... But- you know, but it's not a new technology, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's so, and and the example is you go back to uh, a, an album by Sting. It's a very it's a very good album, Soul Cages, and an audiobook of uh, Stephen King's The Mist. Back in the day, uh, they were recorded in 3D sound. I mean, they've been working on this since the 80s right. and early 90s. And what it was, and I don't know if that's what they're doing now, yeah, but it's know. literally so they get the file. They get everything recorded and stuff, and then this is a, something that takes place in the in the mixing and the mastering. And they they put essentially headphones on a dummy that's made out of microphones and play it through it and then measure the results and are are basically uh, hmm. mastering and mixing two numbers uh, to get a sense of space. And if you listen to hmm. uh, the Soul Cages on the CD or definitely this uh, Stephen King's The Mist on audiobook, it's actually sort of an amazing journey. You know, you you can hear with with Sting. You can hear you have Kenny Kirkland like behind you on the piano. Mm. Uh, you can hear Marcellus. You can hear depth of field. Yeah, you can hear very much depth of field. Yeah. Uh, and it's a trick to be sure. Yeah. Like the yeah. only way you actually get this is if you're standing in front of a band. Right. But it works because our brains are easily tricked. There there was a New Yorker a New Yorker story a number of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, about this quest for true 3D sound. And and there are people at MIT and Caltech and, you know, a bunch of smarty pants, PhD, um, audio uh, and physicist types trying to figure out how to do this. And actually, the uh, jam boxes, if you register yours with Motorola or whatever and Mm -hmm. download a firmware update, they have, it's the first sort of widely available commercial 3D emulator. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah, how is that different from like the Bose? Uh, like you get sound bars and they have sort of emulation. I yeah. like those Bose ones. Yeah, so yeah. so you you have a sound bar that's faking right. surround yeah. sound. It's I think it's I think it's probably fairly similar. I think the difference is that if you've ever seen a jam box, it does have speakers on the side um, and uh, and I think on the back too. So I think it it might do a better job. I don't really know. It's been a long time since my jam box died, and I can't <laughs> say I played with it all that much. Um, but yeah, that but sounds a little dirty. But keep going. <laughs> Playing with my jam box. <laughs> Your jam box died. You played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you know all all these. Well, go ahead. So the article is about this dude from Warner. No, the article is about the the article is an ad for this technology. Right, right. right. Dude from Warner, major label, who believes in it, goes yep. to this thing. Yeah. 
and he's putting all his uh, chits in this technology. Yes. yes. What's weird is, I think for me, as a not nearly as, I mean, I have some understanding of sound quality. I don't think I'm on par with you guys, especially on the uh, digital end. But um, the reason I brought up Pono off mic is, isn't, didn't someone just try to do this? Like, they did. Right. They absolutely did. So <laughs> right. and what's failed. different and is kind of my question. Well, I think the price point matters. I think the fact that you need hardware for Pono matters. So MQA will be distributed through existing... Through phones? Uh, well, th- and I mean, how through, good through, the, through can the sound be through a phone? <laughs> and, and, yeah, uh, and that's something, right. you know, when you talk about the majority of people listening to music these days are listening on a mobile right. device. Yep. Uh, it's very, uh, it's transient listening and it's passive listening. Um, over over a Bluetooth connection, right. probably to a wireless you know, speaker. One thing <laughs> so. when we talked about this before, Eduardo, that we didn't touch on was uh, the whole thing of rebuying your catalog. Yeah. In the age yeah. of streaming, who is going to do that? I, I don't think I don't think anybody. So maybe this is a thing yeah. that if it gets developed, it just gets bought up by Apple. Maybe it gets yeah. well, get bought up by Tidal because that's probably selling tomorrow. I've been thinking about this a lot with <laughs> with uh, because of 4K. Because yeah. I have a fairly extensive catalog of movies and shows from Apple, right? And I know they're not going to give they're 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 not just going to upgrade me to the 4K version when Apple no. decides to they're embrace. Make so this is an interesting again, right? but thing. If they, but if they give me the option of upgrading movies for an extra two dollars a pop, yes, I will absolutely do that. For and most and of that's them. an interesting thing. So in the gaming world, like they're they're running into that because you have. Uh, much like movies or anything, there's less AAA titles coming out, and games haven't got quite into like let's just remake it, you know, with because mm. you can't, like it's either the game or it's not. But there's a lot of stuff, at least on uh, on Microsoft's end, where they will upgrade the visuals to something, and some mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. are actually free. Mm-hmm. Like you bought it on a 360. Uh, Destiny was released. If you bought it on 360 when the Xbox One came out, you got the Xbox One version. Hmm. So they're playing around with that, which is a really good strategy because yeah, it is. you know that works in something like that yeah. though, uh, because you have uh, an invested like player base and it's like extensible. Yeah, a movie isn't really extensible, and, a, and an album isn't really extensible, right? Uh, unless mm-hmm. you're talking about Life of Pablo, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's that's an example. It's in, your, of why, it's in your top ten this year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Top five, probably. <laughs> so, so maybe that's that's where this fits in. Like you said, you know, the two dollars to upgrade and stuff. If it just folds into the technology, that's fine. We don't know it, and we don't need right. to know it. Uh, and we, it will definitely be passed along. Right. Like the subscription, just like Netflix, it will go up a dollar, mm-hmm. and like a bunch of the internet will complain, and then the rest of us who are rational will just be like, eh. yeah. <laughs> I would pay. F- more for better sound quality, but I don't well, want do to subscribe to title. Right. I don't want to have to rebuy or reconfigure what I've done. Like, honestly, at this point in my life, yeah, if Spotify goes away and I have to go to another service, I'm just going to stop streaming. And yeah, I'm just going to be like, people say that I'm just going to like, uh. oh, I have a bucket full of C- a bucket. I have bins filled of, filled of CDs. I'm just going right. to play those. Right. And then, so that's the thing is like, this sort of forces them into that path. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they come out and be like, here's the MPQ player or whatever. And like, and here's this and you got to try this. And it's super HD audio, which right. is used to be a, a thing. Yep. I think it has to be an add in. Uh, maybe you said this and I didn't understand it. it has More to like be a an, codec. Right, it has to be an yeah. add-on component of one of the streaming services. So a streaming service has to buy it and make it, a, you pay an extra dollar, and then it becomes the thing. Well, like, they, I don't think they're going to want to. Uh, yeah, really? I don't know anybody in the company. I, well, I mean, if they're, if this guy has so much faith in it as the new format, we know that stuff always fails. It gets assimilated into the, right. the mm-hmm. ecosystem and the thing. Right. But there's going to be a long time where they're like, no, 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 we can do it. And it's like, no, you can't. Can I ask another question? Yeah. I don't know why I wouldn't. Uh, it's called master record master quality recordings. Um, that's what they promise. Is so, it's, so but it's MQ, wait, I think master is it the actual audio. masters that are being? Is it a different master quality audio? Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what I'm asking is, when we say the master recordings, we're talking about the highest, the fresh cut, the first time it's laid down yep. and actually mixed, and that's the pristine. Every mm-hmm. time you reproduce it, you lose a little. Mm-hmm. So. Are they going to give over the master recordings to say the public to to 
to listen to, or is it just they're saying it's that quality? I don't understand. So, to me, there's a different like. Is it the thing of the master recording, or is it well, as idea, good as the master? The idea recording? is, and that's why you have so many remasters right. these days. The idea is there is a master tape, right. uh, and it essentially just means that it's the thing that's split into multiple things, and that's how, like in the, in the '90s, you had a big remix culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butch Vig was actually just talking about that in the Nerdist podcast. It's okay, sort of I fascinating. To to that one, yeah. It's sort of fascinating because he was talking about how back then, you know, when remixes hit indie rock, they'd always been big in like hip hop and stuff, right. but when you released a single, like the labels were all like, and we need five remixes because you got, because <laughs> you got CD singles. And so you had the yeah. one and you had like right five or six other songs on it. Um, <sighs> so, so yeah. So what I think what they would be talking about is first of all, you have to have a system set up for who's determining like the best person to master at this point. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and you can see who their team is on their website. Yeah. And it's all and like it's a combination of like of artists and then people who are audio specialists it, or who but, have some sort but, of pedigree in but that. But uh, you know, but. to that point, like if you weren't in the room when that recording was made, right. you aren't the best person you to shouldn't master mix it. it. Right. Yeah. And uh, and that's a problem I have honestly with streaming, uh, which is not this is not actually a problem. But you know, when I look up an album and they're like, "There's six extra tracks," I'm like, "No, I want it as it was intended, as it was built." And so for if they were able to get to a point where it would sound like that, mm. that might interest me. Uh, and it wouldn't interest me, though, for more than, I'd say, like 20 or 30 albums. You know, like, do, you really, point, need, do right. you really need the master of as much as that album rocks of uh, Teens of Denial? Right. Well, there's eight or nine Steely Dan albums, and there's another five or six Dire Straits albums. So yeah, <laughs> I would say, right. yeah, so, I would say but, yes but to all well, of those. What you're doing is the way that I treat vinyl, which is why I sometimes have trouble with our buy choice right, here, right. is that for me, if I'm going to buy it, I'm going to buy it in hard copy, and I'm going to buy it on vinyl, which means it's next to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. That's a pretty freaking high standard. Right. There are only a few things that I actually want to hear in that high quality. The rest, I'm like, I can listen to this on my phone. Right. It's fine. So that's the line you have to draw. And that's, we're getting back then into the market issue of like, mm-hmm. how many recordings do you really need to hear the master recording? Of? Right. Right. And how, you're not going to know when the album comes out that you want to hear the master recording. Like time and history right. tells you that you want to hear well, in 20 utero. Years from now, I want to hear get a remaster right, of it. I want to hear the in utero uh, different mixes. Cause I'm interested in how the album was mixed mm-hmm. and all that history. But right. when it came out, it was, you know, it was a record. I didn't, yeah. So that's the difficulty, I think. Yeah. I guess we're saying good luck, MQA. <laughs> we're, we're fans <laughs> of good sound. Yeah. Yeah. We like the idea, but it seems like a fairly non-stable yeah, model. It, se- it seems like one of those battles. Not, I mean, technology is going to get there. You're always going to have right. science nerds working on this issue. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like something that in 2016 is marketable anymore. Like... But does that mean we've given up on sound quality? No, it means it's going to get better. It it, it has, just will it has because it has to because the technology will get better. Yes, right, yeah. right. So you think about the cassette tapes we used right, to right, listen right. to. Right. And there's a reason why we don't listen to bands who only put out shit on cassette tape because it sounds like shit. <laughs> no matter what you do, oh, it you sounds like shit. A lot of angry emails from no, hipsters in Brooklyn because those kids don't listen to us and they don't use email. <laughs> yeah, they they, oh yeah, that's right. Only just Snapchat. rotary phones, clamshells, only clamshells. God. You know, uh, yeah, so it's just, yeah, good luck. Like, wow us. Yeah, right. MQA, Excited. if you're listening to this, like, and you have like test files and a test rig, and you can make it happen in DC, we'll come out. And, yeah. and if, and if, party. We, are, if we are talking out of our ass, right. and you can like prove that this is the way of the future, we're on board. Yeah, and here's the and uh, I remember when the Talking Heads discography was released on that special box set, and yeah. it was Super Audio CD, mm-hmm. and no one I knew at the time had a Super Audio CD player, yep. mm-hmm. and no one was going to buy the two hundred dollar hardware to put in their living room to listen to CDs on, even and, then. And the format wasn't that super. Yeah, <laughs> give us, give us the make the Talking Heads sound fresh again. I mean, not that they don't sound fresh, but just, I mean, but just, but just make them you. make me make me hear them with different ears. And I'll be sold. But can you? That's 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 the thing. Do you want to? Like I don't. I don't Just ever want Vulcan things on. I, I don't ever <laughs> want to hear yes songs differently than I heard than the when, ones when I was know. sixteen yeah. or seventeen. And honestly, well, you, I, you can't though. And that's what I was just right. going to say. I don't think you can. Right. So, like, what is this doing? Yeah. 
don't know. Uh, you guys ready to talk about some rock and roll? Let's do it. Let's get sure, man. that track is vampire that is the opening track off of richmond virginia's avers latest album omega whatever this is their second album now their first album was empty light i was pretty stoked about that album i can't remember if it made it on my year end i think it, it did just, it did it did it yep. uh because it slipped in it was just sort of like what, what's going on with this album and then the more i listened to it the more i was like fuck these guys are awesome we talked to them then uh, as we mentioned up front like we talked to them again and and that that is lost for all time but it's actually pretty cool because this is an album that I, that I want to talk about because it's not often that you get this potent a mix of rock and roll and pop done correctly to the point that I, I'm not even sure what's going on on this record. So I'm glad we're talking about it yeah. because it's so frustratingly good. <laughs> not not to jump ahead, yeah. jump ahead of things. It's so frustratingly good in a town that I'm from where things don't I, – I don't understand where the motivation came from. Uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. We talked about it a little on, in the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avers is now uh, Adrian Olson, Alexander Spaulding uh, on bass, James Lloyd Hodges on guitar and, and vocals, uh, James Mason on guitar, Tyler Williams uh, was in the band. I think he still is sort of, but he's not touring with them or anything. Okay. Uh, that is the uh, drummer for Head in the Heart. Oh, uh, yeah. same drummer? Yeah, yeah, oh, same drummer. But but I, I'm not, I know he's on this record, but going forward, I think he's back doing stuff with the Head and the Heart. Uh, because they're a really big band, <laughs> right? They're selling a lot of tickets, and yeah. and uh, Charlie Glenn, who is just the most motherfucking badass like musician on the East Coast, in my mind. I mean, he plays in this. He plays in the band called Trillions. He plays in and on the uh, Town right. Get Down State Down record. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen, really? yeah, if you haven't wow. seen Charlie play or heard him, uh, you would be astounded. Is he, he one of the two guitarists on this? He's one of the four guitarists four. on this, sir. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I just counted know, two. Sorry. You know, to say that this, you know, this started off as a supergroup is. You know, they came from bands like Hypercolor, Farm Vegas, Mason Brothers, Formentin' Trillions. Uh, now, and this is straight from their mouth, like, Avers is the thing. Uh, and, you know, if you saw them at Landmark, they kicked off day two here last year, and you can mm-hmm. see why. Because this little band from Richmond, like, completely slayed and was one of the best bands that played that day, mm-hmm. you know, in a huge festival setting. But wow. I just saw them at DC9, and they did the exact same thing. They're they're comfortable on the big stage or a little stage in a back room. Um, 
Omega Whatever's out on Egg Hunt Records, which is out of Richmond. Uh, also, Lucy Dacus. Okay. Uh, so, Transitive of Property. For, for, formerly of Egg Hunt. Transitive Property. Of Congratulations, yeah, Avis. You just right. got signed to Matador. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and as I mentioned, you know, whereas the last album was sort of a uh, murky psychedelic thing, this is brighter and this is uh, a lot more poppy. And uh, I'm I'm talking a lot about this. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. So, uh, which one of you guys wants to get in first here? Well, I'll I'll uh, I'll jump in and just and just kind of echo everything that you've said, Kevin. I mean, this is a really. Uh, it sounds like an effortless record, you know. Every now and then, these things come along, and 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 a band will just kind of everything will just sort of gel. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about how we don't want to cover unimaginative current guitar rock that's kind of throwbacky and that yeah. isn't doing anything. You um, like does? <laughs> man. There goes the, uh, there, the quack. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> if you mentioned dolls in the podcast, there's a quack. <laughs> Shit, I gotta mark that. <laughs> um, but this and and Kevin, you used the word pop a couple of times. Like all the mm. all the comps for me here are are basically really good mm-hmm. um, indie pop, and and I think it's one of those examples of like guitar rock can be boring as shit, but if you want to have hooks and synths and cool sounds and you know sort of different layers of things happening and just not and not just have like the bass doubling the guitar notes yeah um you can you can do a lot and if you embrace you know if you have good pop instincts and you embrace them um you get these big choruses you get these big moments um yeah i just think it's like an immensely enjoyable great it's it's like a summer it's it's like an album that's made for summer too yeah yeah it's funny because when i was talking with him uh one thing uh i was pointing out was you, you jumped to the track low on this oh, and and that's, that's and i know sound. you i know you like it patrick but it, the intro is straight derivative in a good way from with or without you yes like there's, yeah. there's yeah, no yeah. and they had no idea In fact, most of them were like, fuck you, too. I mean, they weren't throwing shade on them, really. They are just like, they're not of the age. We're yeah. like Joshua Tree came around. We're all of the age where that was the big thing. Yeah, but the build is so... Yeah, the build. Yeah. And it's and it's fantastic when they do that. But, you know, you, you get to this album, and um, you've got that, that song, Vampire, we heard. If that broke into Pretty in Pink... <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, there, yeah. There's, there's so many weird references Maybe. from my childhood listening to rock and roll and growing up which is like the late 80s and early 90s mixed with uh stuff like y- you get honestly like bad finger in this mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like, primal scream primal scream yeah, yeah. Sure. Scream like, is in there for cl- sure. classic rock and, and it's just it's baffling how all of this can how all this can come together with mm. i think it's like six like disparate personalities and to do that without sounding like a throwback, no, out. like it sounds very much, and you know, and the, and and this is where one of the one of the, like uh-huh. most of the comps that I have for this are not particularly felicitous ones, mm-hmm. um, uh, but they're sort of you know, Foxygen um, can can do this kind of vintage sounding current thing. Very yeah, but they well. sound vintage. There's, yeah, no, no, I, it's not. But 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 especially on Vampire when he, mm-hmm. you know, the reference to like you get your rocks off in San Francisco, like right. that's uh, that's a total Foxygen moment, um, and it's fine. Like I don't mind feeling like like when the band does remind me of other bands, I don't, I don't find it irritating. I don't find the references to be too in your face. Like if it reminds me of you know Tom Petty or Broken Social Scene, like I don't, right? It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But Patrick, oh. You, sir, probably have something uh, to say. Well, so two things that I wrote down that are sort of interesting and or um, slightly entertaining. One is that I wrote down Future Birds mm-hmm. because I was remembering the first podcast that I yeah. was on with Eduardo to the extent I remember it, uh, <laughs> where we talked about that Future Birds album. And what's interesting about this is you have different songwriters, yeah, different singers, but it all kind of works and you have an album that gets sort of better with each listen where the playing is very confident and so the con- and I expect you've seen them live I've seen a lot of listen to this I thought wow these guys would be awesome live they are and I'm sure they are 
so in that sense, it, it fits in that vein of like the future birds vein of, of things we've talked about before. The other thing I wrote down, I don't know if it's going to make sense. I wrote down the word founding farmers. There's a <laughs> restaurant in D.C. for those who don't live in D.C. where they use like fresh farm-raised organic uh, uh, ingredients. Yeah, Their yeah. buildings and are LEED certified. You can order and, yeah. something that's not that complicated, a burger, a salad, or whatever that has like three ingredients and you can eat it and and really have a great meal. It's not going to be like what you would get at a uh, uh, mini bar, Citronelle or whatever, yeah. one of these high-end chef places, but it is so solid and so well-crafted and so simple and so straightforward and so well done in such a uh, recognized palatable mm-hmm. way that everything works. And I don't know if it's confidence or competence or both, but I wrote down the words "founding farmers" because I thought it's just like it's just like a simple meal made with fresh ingredients, and right. and that's kind of what works about this in, in a really interesting way. I, for I, me. I think you're now. I think we can kind of stretch your analogy a little bit further, actually, in that um, "founding farmers" just got a, a terrible review from Tom <laughs> Setsima of the Washington Post. Oh, really? Post. Yeah, yeah, Are yeah. You yeah. Real? He yeah. eviscerated it. Oh. Um, and yet everyone who goes there has a great time, really likes it. Um, the restaurant themselves said, yeah, after we got half a star from the Washington Post, like we've never been busier, <laughs> right? Like there are 320 tables or whatever right. in Foggy Bottom are booked solid. Oh, you can't get night, in that place Friday, on a weekend. Saturday. Yeah. 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 Um, right. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I feel like there's a lot here that your average critic who's looking for a kind of statement or something right. big might not, might not see. Well, they're not and reinventing they, the wheel. Right, and what a critic looks for in a restaurant or in an album is not necessarily what a listener wants to hear over and over again, sitting in their backyard, having a couple of beers with their friends. Right. And this album is that. Maybe. I let's play a track off this right now and and revisit that because I I I think it's an interesting uh, interesting point of what critics might expect from an album like this. Uh, Track we're gonna play is one of the singles here. uh, Everything hurts. Uh, feel amazing title. It's everything HZ, yeah. <laughs> uh, featuring uh, Alex on vocals. So, uh, here you go. Everything hurts off of Avers, Omega, whatever. So everything hurts. Uh, you know, there, there's a there's a mod cool sheen to this band. I think I said that about the uh, first album, where everything's very much. You think like the band is playing an Austin Powers movie in the back, <laughs> but they and and this is what is so great about a lot of the songs in this album. This in particular, there's a point where uh, Spalding is singing just opens up, like the voice just opens, and and it it goes from being like we're cool to like yeah. Now, now you're gonna feel this. It's like, and, and everybody on stage is doing guitar kicks. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. they are that band. Like they, yeah. they, they, they aim to please. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your point, what we were talking about though before, uh, we heard that track. You know, is what critics are looking for. And I, what, what else could you be looking for? I mean, why, why do you think like people look at stuff like this? Uh, and, I haven't read any of the reviews, so I don't know. Well, there aren't that many reviews. There aren't. In a okay. basic Google search. That's what I didn't understand is how come there's so little coverage? Yeah. This is a 
I mean, even the, the producer album. is a guy who's produced Kurt Vile and whoever right. else. Right. So I uh, understand. Which that makes sense to another point I was going to make. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, what about just doing this that's good, that's entertaining as shit, and isn't derivative, like, say, Foxygen? Right. Like, Foxygen, I hear, I'm like, oh, you guys really like the Rolling Stones, and that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, there's some Velvets and Beatles in there, yeah, too. I <laughs> to, I, dude, I'm, to wear, do I, some justice, I'm wearing the shirt yeah. of a band that does this. It falls very yeah. much into the Avers thing. Uh, Mystery Lights, who are able... They, they understand the sound, but they aren't just being like, we're just going to make the uh, Van Morrison Them record. Right. Well, I think, unfortunately, the, like, if, uh, if rock and roll is a room, there are, unfortunately, you know, these great albums by bands that didn't amount to much that are kind of like just strewn about the floor and so and like just off the like off the top of my head the kinds of comps in terms of vibe and like how much i like this album are bands that i think most people might not necessarily know like the poster children or beulah or something all all of whom are bands that had which this band might not know (laughs) yeah Yeah. right well all of whom had like put out like four or five decent albums and somewhere in the middle there is just one album that fucking nails it yeah um and and we don't know you know i'm not saying that 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 that's their career trajectory um but uh but that's but 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 this album like i would put uh you know squarely on the shelf alongside either of those uh like Beulah's Coast is Never Clear or Poster Children's Junior Citizen or something like yeah. that. So. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that the guy who, who did this uh, worked with Kurt Vile and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I can't think his name. I think this is an in- interesting thing when I was listening to this album in particular, uh, a little bit on our friend's uh, Roadkill Ghost Choir's mm-hmm. album. And I don't know how this happened this quickly, but we have to like sort of reckon with the influence of, of War on Drugs' last album on sure. on rock and roll period the last song which, which on is, this album and is that's a, actually is on that's, that, that's the note yeah. i made yeah. and and i don't think that's a, a good or a bad thing right now <laughs> it it just is right. well even even the first song on the uh cave what was the band you covered that cave, sounds like the 80s uh, caveman caveman yeah. that's a totally war. war on drugs song yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah, they which, great war on which drugs people song. were doing that like before war on drugs but right. that that album was so impactful right and we're just what two years out? Yeah, from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right, right. What? It's in a like, lot of and places. And people, people are already like messing it's like with. Nobody the... ever heard Tom Petty before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know if that's Tom Petty. I, I don't know. I don't know, you know what, what I mean. it is. It's, like it's, it's, right. it's a. It's it's the correct way to do cosmic rock. Uh, is is the best way I can explain it. And you know, it pops up all over this album. And so maybe they started a wave mm. that people are just riding, and that's okay. And some people are gonna. Some people sound exactly like Warren Drugs. I'm not gonna name names, Kurt Vile. <laughs> well, he was he was he was in, in the band. Uh, yeah, before. yeah, no, but there are there are other smaller bands that sound exactly like. Actually, I would really love it if Kurt Vile tried harder to sound like Warren Drugs. I would too. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of his uh, his hopefully, later material. Hopefully, he's listening and taking notes from us. He's <laughs> probably <laughs> yelling at us through his phone. <laughs> he's he's in the closet. <laughs> He's stealing my uh, Spin Doctor CDs. Um, Wait, I thought it was Eduardo. Well, yeah, no. I already have them. Um, yeah, so, you know, overall, though, you know, you had this, like, sort of cosmic uh, Big Bang go off with that. That is, And we're seeing, like, the fruits of this labor, I think. Uh, not, and, and But in this case, it's certainly, it's it, until that last song, the title track, I was never thinking, like, man, War on Drugs really influenced people. And then I heard that, and then I right. it shifted the whole album, like, Oh man, and that's not a pejorative. It shifted it how driving rock. Well, because I anthem. hear I, I hear because it's a very I, anthemic. I album hear more. I hear yeah. I hear more of the uh, the the anthemic stuff because that's something that I think War on Drugs gave uh, permission to people to do because it was so popular. If executed it, well, yes, yeah. It, it, if you're in indie rock, like you said, you're you're gonna play music. You stare at your shoes. You, you drone on like five notes. You double mm-hmm. up the bass with the guitar, and all of a sudden you're a hit. I just mm-hmm. described ninety eight percent of all indie rock bands, <laughs> and this is not that. Yeah, this is like shooting, you know, figuring out which one of the guy is Jeff Lynn in the band is Jeff Lynn. Right. We, you know. Well, that that last track is is it? Um, it's like five or six minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. longer. Yeah, it, six thirty eight. Slowly gathers steam. It's got in a, a nice very build. very patient and masterful mm-hmm. kind of way until it's just well, like and they're charging. moving instruments in and out. There's horns that yeah. come in. There's yeah. a piano that comes in. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a little it's a little journey, and, and that's, claps. Yeah, and it's it's ambitious. It's um, 
um, I like the, I like the use of the word anthemic to describe mm-hmm. this album because they're clearly not hiding from that. Yeah. Um, nor should they. No, no. They want. I mean, they want to have fun. They want people to have fun, like enjoy it. They all love rock and roll. <laughs> Apparently, Charlie like broke. Uh, last time was a DC nine broke his guitar in half. Oh my god! Like this is how like <laughs> this is, but but not in like not in the John not, Spencer not in kind a of douchey way. way just yeah. like I'm gonna break my guitar. Like holy shit! I played it so hard, I broke my guitar. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Period. Uh, so Patrick, let's start with you. Uh, and I'm gonna edit out everything I, I beyond. The- <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. I know. I, look. <laughs> I don't know how I got this reputation. <laughs> I can play you back three hours and forty oh, minutes. Stop. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a I'm a buy. Are you? Uh, yeah, I think I'm a buy. It's mm-hmm. um I I like I usually say I try to figure out what I didn't like, but it was pretty hard to find stuff. I will also add, even though I'm over time already, that there are some little tiny headphone flourishes in here yeah. that really reward repeated listenings, yep. and it's a grower in the sense of the melodies grow on you just like any real grower, but there are some little pieces of ear candy that it's actually good. Something it, it takes you, a something we didn't listens. talk about, yeah. and, and that's a really important part of why this works. Right, is melody. Right, bands oh, don't don't sure. be afraid of melody the because because up front up here front, is yeah. melody, and and I know they have some tricks that they fall back on, right. but it works every time because you know two minutes after the three minute song, I've forgotten, and uh, it's not just competent guitar playing; it's changing the sound of the guitar on yeah. every song. Yeah, it's really nice. Yep. Anyway, I'm a buy. All right, Eduardo. I think I have to co-sign that. I yeah, think I, I think I have to buy. Um, yeah, it's just it's uh, like I said, it's just it's just an album that that from the minute you put it on, you sort of you trust the band. You know, you're in good hands, yeah. and they're not going to lead you astray. Competency and, and confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very it's it's just a very reassuring feeling. So bye yeah. bye bye. All right, uh, we're, we're we're gonna do the triple buy. Yeah, this is, this is right. landed. We've had a lot of these lately, but that means there's a lot of good albums coming out yeah, now. I think we're getting soft. I'm no, I don't think it. we are. <laughs> I, I I think there's just some really good albums coming out now. To be fair, I have looked forward to this album for a year. Yeah, not quite right, as long right. as Frank's is album. There an EP in 2015? There was, yeah. there was, there Frank's was an album. EP, uh, which is also good. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's sort of B sides, and that's what it's meant for. Um, waited for it for a year. It's actually been done for a year, mm. and uh, it just. 100% did not disappoint. Yeah, it was it's good. Like I went in expecting you give me as you give me the same thing as empty light and I'm like I got you back. <laughs> but they far surpassed it and and uh outdid themselves in this one. So it is also a buy. So uh Avers uh, Omega whatever, I think the answer is go out and get it. So uh, yep. Thanks to Eduardo and Patrick for hanging out. Uh, always a good time with those guys down here. And uh, thanks to Avers for for making the album. Kicks ass, as I think you can tell from uh, from our sort of triple by judgment. It, it, this is an unavoidable album for your collection if you are a fan of rock and roll. So please go out and get that. See them on tour. We're going to have all those links in the show notes for you to do just that. Um, before we get out of here this week, though, uh, we're going to be talking about some Mild High Club. Now, for those of you who like puns, that is a pretty good pun. Uh, but, you know, and the music is equally heady. You know, this this stuff, if you like Woods, you know what they're up to. And Alex Breton, uh, you know, is, is sort of bedroom recording. Uh, this this album is a little, little brighter. This album is a little more produced and stuff. Uh, they've had a couple singles off of this right now, but, but just recently released the video for Skip Tracing. So I think rather than uh, belabor the point here, we'll just get to it and let the music speak for yourself. So here you go. This is Mild High Club with the title track from their new album, Skip Tracing. (laughs) 
name of the track is Skip Tracing. name of the album is Skip Tracing. The name of the band is Mild High Club. That is out now, and you can get it and put it in your ears if you'd like that. And uh, Just like with Avers, if they're out on tour, we're going to put show notes. We're going to have the tour dates in there for you to check that out, and uh, you can continue on in your mission to see all the live music you possibly can. It's good for you. I think I just read a study that's actually good for you to go out to concerts. Uh, so maybe we'll be talking about that later. I wouldn't doubt it. Even if their methods are a little off, you all feel it. Uh, that's our podcast for this Monday afternoon, morning, evening, whenever you're listening to it. Uh, we're going to be plowing on ahead this week. Uh, got some great stuff coming up. At the end on Thursday, we're going to be talking about Michael Kiwanuka. That's going to be the last Lost episode. And then after that, we've got Lydia Lovis coming up, Cass McCombs, and then uh, and working on some more interviews. Because, you know, we had to catch up on the albums. And now now we want to we wanna talk to these people some more. Our voices and brains are resting. So, I hope you enjoyed that. Do yourself a favor. Get out and see some live music this week. Uh, And until then, be good to your ears. Be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi! <laughs> <laughs>